Well, the stakes are being raised at Caledonia and uh, raised very quickly and potentially very tragically. The judge uh, in, in involved in this case, uh, the judge who we have heard from before, Superior Court Justice David Marshall, um, has uh, told everybody that uh, here's the deal, guys. The lawlessness that has permeated this whole situation has to stop. And uh, there will be no more talks with the province or the federal government, says Justice David Marshall, until the um, occupiers leave, until the natives pack up and go home. Now, he has tried before to have his judicial uh, preferences enforced without much luck. Uh, he has now said very clearly that um, this has to happen. Mr. McGinty, Mr. McGinty has said that he will consider it very carefully. He's appealed for calm from all people involved. The Aboriginals, through their uh, spokespeople, have said our position has not changed and we're not going anywhere. The federal government has ignored us for more than a century. The provincial government hasn't been any better. And we're finally getting some traction here. We're finally getting some traction. We're getting media coverage. People from around the world are hearing our grievances, are hearing about the ways in which the federal government has abused us over the years, and the provincial government as well. And folks, if, if you haven't studied the history of Aboriginal relations in this country, you need to do so. There are a lot of misconceptions out there in this country about about the Aboriginals, about their rights, about their claims, and about their demands. I'm definitely not a person who believes that um, you can rewrite history, because you can't do that. The, the things that happened, happened. At the same time, some of the things that happened, happened relatively recently, and built on top of previous injustices, and I've talked to you about this before. I'm not, uh, I'm not defending what the natives are doing in Caledonia at all, don't misunderstand me, but, but I know why some of them are there. Their concerns on I mentioned yesterday, is just as an example, it was only in the last 50 years or so they could even hire a lawyer to pursue their claims against the government. said, so we think we've been swindled, we've been cheated, we've been robbed. And the government said, well, that's too bad. Uh, we'll look into it for you. <laughs> we'll check it out for you and get back to you. They're still waiting. Some of the, some of the complaints they filed have been, have been under consideration, literally, my friends, for decades. So I understand their frustrations. At the same time, you cannot allow something like this to continue. You just can't do it. You cannot expect to have a society uh, wherein the rule of law applies to anyone if it doesn't apply to everyone. And I think that uh, Justice Marshall is right in saying that something must be done. But here's where the problem comes up. What is it to be? The National Post today, in their editorial, uh, was very forthright and uh, yada yada. Here's what we have to do, boys and girls. It's pretty straightforward. There's no, no question about it. Send in the police, is the headline. Send in the police. Well, that's very easy to say. And I suppose there are lots of Canadians, Ontarians, who think that is exactly what should happen. Send in the police. Well, what exactly do you mean by that? Send in the police. 
I have friends who are police officers who've been at Caledonia. I have friends who have been on the front lines there. People that I have talked to about this situation. People with families. People with wives and husbands and children. Send in the police. Do you want the ordinary cops to show up? Is that is that what you think should happen? That's what the uh, that's what the National Post calls for. Here's the quote from the Post: If Ontario had a premier who took the rule of law seriously, that time and referring to McGuinty said he needs some time to consider this. That time would amount only to a calculation of how long it would take to muster the police resources needed to enforce the order and then to dispatch those officers to Caledonia. Well, I'm telling you, folks, that a lot of those officers don't want to go. It's their job. Jim, come on, that's what they sign up for. No, in fact, it isn't their job. They don't sign up to deal with civil insurrection, which is what this is. If, if the natives continue on their present course, which I think has exhausted all the usefulness to them. I say as somebody with sympathy for many of their, many of their concerns, I think they've exhausted whatever usefulness it had. Now it's just become a sort of a macho standoff thing, and... It's going to end unpleasantly. But how unpleasantly can it end for the people of Canada, people of Ontario? And that's the big question. That's the question nobody wants to talk about. It's easy for the National Post to say, send in the police. But what happens when you do that? What happens if tempers are a little frayed on both sides? And the shooting begins. Look what happened in Ipperwash. One person killed. Millions and millions and millions of dollars spent trying to figure out why and how. What do you think would happen if there was a standoff here, as happens in many countries around the world on all kinds of issues between the authorities and, and groups of disgruntled citizens, and those citizens die by the handful, by the dozen, by the score? It happens almost every day someplace on the planet. How would we react to that here? Send in the police. Send in the SWAT teams. Well, rumor has it, Rumor has it that the natives are well-armed there. Rumor had it the natives were well-armed at, at Ipperwash, too. No guns were ever found. Is it the same rumor? Is it the same kind of rumor? Yeah. Some of the people in, Caledon, in Caledonia claim to have seen semi-automatic weapons on the native side of the barricades. Suppose they have those weapons. Well, that outguns the average OPP officer right there. So we bring in the SWAT team with semi-automatic weapons. Is that what we want? And then the heavy weapons and what next? Where do we go? The people who are to blame for this, and there's there is clearly room for blame here. The people who are to blame for this are the federal government, the provincial government. Not necessarily of McGinty and Harper, but the federal and provincial government stretching back over the last hundred years who didn't want to deal with a very unpleasant topic, a very unpleasant situation. They just didn't want to have to deal with it. So they didn't. They stalled. They put off the natives. And here we are today, uh, where one of the natives quoted saying, the only way you get me out of here is to carry my dead body away. Well, let's hope that he's indulging in a little hyperbole and isn't serious about it. But it may come to that. And are we ready? Are you ready? Is the National Post ready? Send in the police. And then what? Bob Metz joining us in the studio now. Robert, nice to have you with us today. Morning, Jim. 
Uh, I know you were listening as we were just chatting. I just chatted uh, about uh, Caledonia, some of my concerns about what's been happening there, and I know you've expressed it previously your concern about the absence of the rule of law there. Mm-hmm. But I want to pick up where I just left off there. It, it, I think it's very easy for the National Post and others to say, send in the police. But sending in the police is taking a very major and very serious step forward that might very well lead to some... Might lead to the rule of law. Uh, it might, ultimately, yes. <laughs> but it might also lead to a level of, uh, of uh, uh, violence and a level of... Um, I'll, I'll tell you something right now. Okay. That's where we're headed right now with the current tactics. The tactics of appeasement do not work. They never work. Uh, Caledonia is our own little Lebanon. And if we keep letting it go and start believing you can have anarchy or governments within governments, I'm just talking, never mind the history, there's injustices all over the place, mm-hmm. okay? So let's start over, for heaven's sakes, and mm-hmm. do what's right today. And you don't, you know, consistently the spokesmen for the, for, the, for the natives in Caledonia have been saying this is not a protest, this is an occupation. And they have no real clear goals or identifiable goals. This morning I heard one of them say that they have land claims that they're going to claim parts of Hamilton and parts of Toronto. Mm -hmm. Okay, now let's get real. If we even sit here and listen to an argument like that and with any serious merit at all, we're in trouble. Because, uh, first of all, nobody took land from these people. They weren't alive when any of this stuff happened. And that's like me going back to my ancestors, 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 and going back to all the And yet, you know, I, I have I to... I think no, that just fuels I, the flames of say, racism. And, no, I have to say, though, that in some cases, and this may not be one of them, I'm not an expert on it, but I've done enough, enough research into this issue of native claims and so on, that there are a number of these claims that are based based in the rule of law, where there were very clearly no clear, clear agreements that were drawn up that various levels of government did not I'm live not, up to. Not, I haven't said a thing about anybody's claim. It's not the why, it's the how they're going about it. Uh, if I want to make a claim on something, I have to use the rule of law to make that claim. But I the, native's point is, the native's point is, for a very long time, they were not allowed to do that. And after they were allowed to do that in the 1950s, the governments have continued to stonewall them at every turn. Um, not surprisingly. You have a native leadership that has kept placing itself outside the rule of law, saying that they're their own nations. Uh, they don't recognize North American jurisdiction, whichever government, U.S., Canada, whatever. Um, how can you really arbitrate when you almost need a UN? Well, it's easy for uh, us, it's easy for for someone to say that relative to this situation, but the natives would say that they have been very willing to sit down and negotiate, discuss, even get the ear of the government. Sometimes it was impossible to do that over the last number of decades. And I'm not what, defending what's know? going on in Caledonia. I'm simply saying that this goes a lot deeper through the native communities than simply some some guys thinking that they're going to, you know, well, we're going to occupy, we're going to put put on our war dress or whatever it is that we put on to signify that we're fed up and not going to take it anymore, we're going to go to Caledonia. I think it goes much deeper than that. I agree, and that's what makes it dangerous. And that's why you have to put a stop to it now. I wouldn't be calling for the police. I'd be calling for the army. It's mm-hmm. a federal matter. Mm-hmm. You send in the front lines, you round them up, then you start talking. And that's exactly what the judge in the case ordered. He said, you know, here we have a judge who has rendered a decision, not once, but many times, mm-hmm. and keeps going back to the court to say, how come no one's enforcing my law? Do you want to live in a country like that? Well, our friend Mr. Schlemmer has said before that he doesn't believe this judge has appropriate jurisdiction to make these rulings. Well, then why are they even going to him? 
What, what are they doing in this courtroom? Obviously, both sides in the dispute <laughs> went to the same courtroom. Even if you hired a private arbiter, you're agreeing to it. That's a, that's a, a level of consent. No, I think what's going on here is, is not a, a land claim, but a bigger issue. I, I just see it as a bigger issue. And, and unfortunately, it's just bringing back old, old, old beliefs and hatreds that you don't want to see in a society. But you mentioned today. you mentioned the kind of problems that they're no. having that they're having in the Middle East today, where where mm-hmm. you've got you've got two groups that are coming at each other, but you've also got fears of civil war, fears of unrest here and there and everywhere, and that this everything is you know sort of the, this destabilizing of the society is going to lead to the breakdown of society. How much destabilizing could we stand here if you sent the army into Caledonia, and if if the natives are armed, some of the uh, Look, some of the observers the have said and there's and there's bloodshed and people are killed there what does that do to our our national fabric i think it enforces what kind of country we want to be a country you know there let's face it any act of force right now is a response to force in caledonia i'm sorry when you occupy land that's uh, that someone else had a legal claim to whether you agree with it or not mm-hmm. that's the whole point mm-hmm. because you have a dispute yeah. you don't just occupy it that is an act of violence it's the same thing that's going on in the mid-east um you know how, how can you not do it any other way the greatest damage that i see happening from caledonia and similarly mid-east is that when the rule of law breaks down for, take take for example the average guy living in caledonia you know can't count on the police to protect his own private property rights. Can't even keep the roads open, you know. And, and and then to see the police stand by while certain acts of violence are being perpetrated in front of them. Now you may be right; they don't have that jurisdiction. That's maybe why the army should be there. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, what that tells is a huger message than anything else, and that's that we don't have a rule of law. That it's okay for you and me to have a protest out in the middle of Dundas Street if we want. Why can't we? What the heck? But we have. You know? some, but we, you, you talked about the kind of country that we want to be. But we don't know what kind of country we want to be. We have a minority government. We have polls that tell us consistently that Canadians are still divided. That the Liberals and the Tories have a, approximately the same amount of support. The NDP is out there with significant numbers. In Quebec, the Bloc well, still have some support. And I mean, we, we you know, we, we don't minutia. have a, no, but we don't have we don't party. have a unified political vision of this country. I think even the left, in its myopic, weird way thinks that believes in individual rights and personal freedoms um and so does the right in in its own way the right wing i mean and i think there's a big difference between a society i mean we take a lot of our freedoms for granted in canada and in the states i Mm -hmm. guess and it's like air when you don't have it anymore you notice it missing until then you don't even know it's there Mm -hmm. and that's the nature of freedom um, same with the marketplace. It's the invisible hand. Government, on the other hand, is very visible, very forceful, very, you know, it's there, its presence is felt. But it's not, very, it's why, not very visible or forceful in this situation. No, and that's why it should be in any case where a given right at the time, let's face it, there was an owner there, whether justly or not, that's not, you don't determine that at the point of the conflict. You determine all that. In, in the right resolution area. And if you aren't willing to play by that rule, then you're not willing to play by any rules. And any agreement we make with anybody who has taken that stand to begin with isn't worth the paper it's written on, isn't worth the handshake, isn't worth a thing. I wouldn't trust a single thing that a person who can do what these folks in Caledonia are doing on any kind of deal. Well, I'm going to play devil's, advo- I'm going to play devil's advocate on their behalf and say, sure. why should we trust anything the government tells us? They've, they have lied and cheated and trapped us for 100 what? years. 
they've done that to all of us, to every one of us. Don't feel singled out because you think that your race is different. I'm telling you, the government has done injustices to all of us and continues to do so daily. Then why, but, do, we, why do we allow that to go on? Well, because Perhaps that's we should, the political arena. Perhaps we should all be taking a stand at our own little Caledonias across the country. Uh, it would come to that once you have a justifiable reason to do so. There are certain conditions that you know, you'd have to meet before you start actually resorting to force, because you even have to go along with laws you disagree with up to a point. But once you find that those laws literally interfere with your ability to survive, then you have a right to react, and that's why you know people should have you know, have an armed uh, a populace in a way. Okay, we'll return with more uh, Bob Metz, our guest this morning on the news hour. Stay with us, please. Bob Metz with us. We're talking about Caledonia and the judge's uh, latest uh, re- reassertion of his belief that the occupation has to stop before anything else can go on. In fact, he's now ruled that there can be no more discussions between any of the parties until the native protesters leave, and they are saying some of them quite literally over my dead body. Uh, and, and Bob and I have been talking about that and w- what should be done and when and how it should be done. Uh, you know, my concern still is, and I don't use the word appeasement earlier, and, and, and I'm very sensitive to the use of that word, and I don't think it was inappropriate the way you used it, because there is a certain I'm sense of that here. to appeasement of the occupation yeah, itself, exactly. not necessarily to any negotiated exactly. items. I understand yeah. that. Uh, and I'm not in favor of that. At the same time, like I think most people today in in the West, in North America, I am reluctant to endorse any policy that would seem to have, as its inevitable result, some level of bloodshed. We're, we're, we're all anyway, reluctant. Yeah, unless we use force now. You can see it in the Mideast. You know, that's, it's so obvious. Like, the state of Israel has endured. I, I, I've been keeping newspaper clippings of all the suicide bombings. You can fill a, fi- a filing cabinet with them. It's unbelievable. It's just simply unbelievable. While the world stood by appeasing and saying this and that, Israel did everything the other side wanted. They even pulled back from the Gaza Strip, which was an unprecedented, disastrous move in my mind. I was watching it the day it happened. I knew there was going to be a war just around the corner mm-hmm. because I knew the other side could not be trusted. They have never, ever honored an agreement. And I wish the public would wake up to that fact. They don't honor their agreements. Uh, but the natives would say in our situation here that they haven't had the, that they have honored their side of the agreements, and that the, that the other side has never respected them. Well, they say a lot so, of things. You know, I've even heard the same spokesman say that uh, yeah, the land was sold to other people by early earlier natives, but we didn't get the money. I mean, excuse me? Well, you know? that, but in some cases, no, and I want to explain that a little bit too, because I think there's a tremendous amount of misinformation out there. And again, well, this there isn't is. necessarily about Caledonia. But the but spokesmen, but spokespeople should not be well, spreading that indeed, misinformation. In, indeed, but the reality is that there are lots of situations where that's exactly what happened, where the, because the Crown was the only authority, the Crown or the province were the only authorities uh, deemed under law able to dispose of native properties, which a lot of people don't know, and the expectation was that they would do so in good faith and those monies would be held in trust or put to use for the natives. There are many examples on the law, on the books where they simply didn't do that, where the natives didn't get the money, and there's one where the uh, the government invested native land in some... some, uh, Jim, some uh, obviously uh, you have never seen a government budget of how much money this government spends on native affairs and how it buries it in various departments, even uh, recreation, agriculture, 
cultural tourism. Uh, we used to get reports down at Freedom Party offices, and uh, the government funds everything from pickup trucks to opening variety stores on reservations to f- just funding incredible to the tune of billions of dollars. So are the natives ungrateful then? Is that what well, you're saying? Every anyone who gets a handout from the government is ungrateful. <laughs> That's a given. I don't understand why people don't know that. That's one of the big problems we have in the Mideast. Um, a lot of the culture there that gets the f- foreign aid we send and stuff regards that as a sign of weakness and insult. And we're sending it there as altruists and being the nice guys, you know, when they res- literally respect our bombs more than they respect our health. And, and unless you understand that aspect of the culture that is attacking us, and please, I'm not speaking about every person who lives in Lebanon. I, I honestly believe, and I said that three days after 9-11 to you, I said, I, you know, most people, I think, are just like all of us, mm-hmm. you know, once you get the politics out of it. And the handful of people that can ruin the world for, for billions. It only takes a handful. It took a handful of people to do 9-11. So do you think that in this case there's a handful of protesters? Are the, what are they ruining for the aboriginals in this country? Well, I don't see what kind of future they're painting for them. You know, there's people forget that there's almost an industry in the whole aboriginal affair. I went on some websites, and, and you should see the, the con games going on. All to get government money, by mm-hmm. the way, although they'll say not so. Uh, people are going into courts to discuss their ancestry. If somebody had a third or fourth cousin twice removed from so-and-so, they qualify to be an aboriginal and therefore can live on the reservation and get uh, a per-head mm-hmm. count payment. Mm-hmm. And they go to courts to fight things like this. Um, whereas most of... Uh, North America's aboriginals, you know, who don't live on the reserves, aren't a problem. They live right along with everybody else. They live in houses like the rest of us. There's like anybody else, and they think like most people. It's, again, I see it as a political thing. When I started investigating, I did an official report to the government, by the way, about, now I'm looking maybe 10 years ago, but that was my first exposure to the whole Native affair, and I collected stuff from both sides, and it struck me that the one thing from both sides, and you said it, you know, both both representatives, both governments of both sides are are doing harm to, 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 to everybody, let's face it. They're just not resolving these issues. And um, you, the only place you can do it is in, in some sort of mutually agreeable court. And if they don't recognize our jurisdiction, um, then you have endless, endless, endless conflict. That's the problem in the Mideast. The countries around Israel do not recognize its jurisdiction. They don't recognize its right to exist, and they are committed to its destruction, regardless of all the appeasement and arguments you're going to hear. And, you know, to me, Israel has justified and complete annihilation, not this, uh, you know, pick and choose, but but they don't want to do that. Well, are we justified in annihilating the natives, then? No, not in this case. Uh, We're not at a war situation. Where they're lobbying. Uh, well, we if we if, they start, yes. if we if we send the army in, we'll be at war. Some people think. Well, they don't need to shoot. They can say we give up. Okay, we'll go to the court now. We'll we'll accept your jurisdiction. I mean, all law at the root, Jim, is the use of force. There's a gun there. Every right you have means the right to use force. When you say you have the right to property, that means I have the right to use force to protect my property. That it is justifiable. What do you think? Now, we, of course, we, we extend that right to the police yeah. and to other agencies, and we can exercise it ourselves with proper, you know, yeah. thinking about it. But still, that, that's what you mean when you say you have a right to something. Let's uh, then put you on the spot in the 30 seconds we have left. What do you think will happen in Caledonia? Oh, boy. 
Well, with McGinty at the helm talking about, you know, take it easy, we got to talk, and that's what he's been say saying from day one, and I haven't seen anything happen. Um, I don't know what happened to... Uh, but there are some people who say that's a good thing. Nothing na nothing's happened, that means nothing nasty has happened. Well, that's what people could have said about the Mideast during all those years when they thought it was at peace, but with, you know, four or five people a day getting bombed by suicide bombers. Okay, we'll, we'll put up with that. I don't think you have to put up with one of those things. And the morality of an issue doesn't depend on the numbers. It depends on who's right and who's wrong. Simple as that. So will somebody send the troops in? Uh, I doubt it. Not in Canada. Uh, there's the band. Thank you, Bob. Always uh, provocative to on the program. Appreciate you being here today. Bob, that's joining us this morning on the program. We hope you'll join us again tomorrow at 11.